All the glory, all the glory, all the glory. Oh, yeah. Somebody shout out, I have a Savior. Hallelujah. Shout out, my, His name is Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we're glad you're here tonight for the study of the precious book of Romans that will build your life as a sanctuary upon the rock of Christ. It will never let you go, never let you be the same. Not about just being saved, but never being the same. That the inner working of the Holy Spirit is working on you as He worked in the creation in those six days that He created. And every day is a new day of creation in you. Every day is a new work that He is doing and accomplishing to fulfill His perfect work in you. He does not judge you now by the outward, by what you see. Don't judge yourselves of how you're not maybe where you're supposed to be yet, but you know you're going there. And I want, you to, I want to start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know we're studying the book of Romans, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I shared with you a few weeks ago about the tremendous work it took God to raise Christ from the dead. He, he does in you and I. And I want you to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And I'm going to read in the New Living and then the message. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right. Somebody shout hallelujah. That we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. And just listen to the gospel as it's preached tonight. Made right through God, through Christ. It says, how you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong. This is the message. So he could put the right of God with you. God. He put our wrong on him who never did anything wrong. So that he that never did anything wrong could be put upon us. Man, that is powerful. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul just continues on this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Let the word heal you. Take hopelessness of way. But you know that he's doing a work in you. And it says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, once again, the living says, And become one, one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, but I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making, listen, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want you to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. You experience I want you to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The message says, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me as it, going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I dumped it all out in the trash so I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. 
Let's let this just get deep down in your heart and build the identity you have before the Father because the Bible says this is the confidence we have in Him. And having that confidence, it even says to go before His throne boldly is to get the identity of the righteousness of God. And that's what we're, we're doing tonight. And I shared with you last week, in, uh, uh, two weeks ago, in Romans 3, verse 22, 23, it spoke that His grace was given that, to us. That word there is possession to us. And it was given upon us, which means the covering and the clothing uh, that now comes through Jesus Christ. And, and this is also the, the other thing I want you to see that explains in the Greek. The fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden was a historic moment. But every time somebody gets saved and born again, it's an even higher historic moment. Because the power that brought man into being is the power demonstrated every time someone calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you got saved, I mean, everyone who got saved, these people came up here, four of them at least, never were saved before. Sunday morning. When you got born again, it was a historic moment that the angels in heaven had to go on, on, on a band and start rejoicing and praising God that one who didn't know him came to know him. In some little village in India and around the world where people may not know or be known, there is a celebration in heaven as there was when the angels announced glory to God in the highest for unto us is born a Savior. When you receive Jesus, the angels put on the same song, the same excitement, the same glory. When anyone accepts Christ, it's the same type of celebration. It was the night Christ was born. Oh, hallelujah. An historic moment. And I shared out of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that talks there about the glory of God, the purity, the goodness, the quality of morality. It talks about the highest degree of worth, merit, preciousness, and value. And the Word of God wants us to teach us. Listen, all this, the Lord wants you to see how to value yourself on His, uh, the way He values you, and the way He values you, and why He values you, and not dependent upon natural things. So that your identity be formed in Christ Jesus. Now I want to go to Romans chapter 3. And get into uh, this tonight. Because this is just a continuation. Romans chapter 3. Verse 24. I want to read this in the Living Bible. Then I'm going to read in the message. For everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Verse 24. Yet God. Yet God. There's always a yet and there's always a but about it's not over. It cannot be over. God is always the God of new beginnings. You may be going through something in your life, but yet God. But God. With, under, with undeserved kindness declares... That we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. He held back. He held back judgment and wrath. For he was looking ahead he was looking ahead, including them, and what he would do in this present time. 
God did this to demonstrate the righteousness. Demonstrate righteousness. His righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right. He declares sinners to be right in his sight. When they believe in Jesus. He declares sinners to be right in his sight. This gives the definition of someone going into the court of God. And I've gone to a few courthouses before and met a judge or two in my life. But there's a, a, it's not an easy feeling going in a courtroom. Some of you may know that. But can you imagine going in the courtroom of a holy and a just God? And you go before the righteous God, you stand before Him. And in the Greek, this is how it translates. You go before God. You got shackles on your ankles and around your waist, and you got handcuffs. And I want you to picture if you had a child who was getting ready to be sentenced for being a murderer to life in prison. And I want you to think about this for a moment that the judge, all of a sudden, he speaks out, and this is, this is justification. He speaks out and he says, We're not going to treat you as something that you're guilty of. I want his chains removed totally. And I want him to hug his mother and his father, not as condemned prisoner, but I want him to hug them as a son. I want the chains and the shackles taken off. And no matter how guilty or how wrong he is, at this moment, I want him to grab his wife and I want him to grab his children. And I want him to hug his wife and children, his mom and his dad, not as a condemned to life prisoner or murderer, but I want him to be in the position of a son to say goodbye to his family. That's justification. Your last memory will not be in chains. Your last memory was Jesus breaking the chains and saying, I declare them innocent. That's the righteousness. It speaks that the end of it is not made of someone who is nothing, but to treat, to reckon, and to account that person as something. It's to treat an innocent person as innocent, and that is called acquittal or justification. We are guilty, and yet God in His mercy treats us, reckons us, and accounts us as if we're innocent. We may have been guilty, but God treats us, reckons us, and accounts us as innocent. God justifies the ungodly. There should be nobody here, nobody by internet, nobody by tape later on listening to this by CD, who should ever doubt that God cannot forgive the worst of anything that you have done or you have been through. But it says in the word that God calls the sinners righteous when you accept the sacrifice of his son. That is love. He chooses to give us an acquittal. God justifies the ungodly. And listen to this. He treats the ungodly as if they've always been good. Don't you leave here saying I'm unworthy. Don't you ever pray before God I'm so unworthy. The word justification now in Christ Jesus means that he treats the worst as if they've always been the best. 
want to show you something here that that's what upset the Jews with Jesus. Jesus came and he said, I do not come to judge the wicked. But yet they've been taught. Let me show you something in Proverbs chapter 17. Let me show you. I want to go back to here just to show you. Jesus came to break tradition. And they couldn't accept it because they did not know the love of God. They only knew the law. And I want you to see in Proverbs 17, 15. Listen what the Lord says here. He who justifies the wicked. What did we read in Romans 3? That we are justified in Christ Jesus. That God considers the ungodly or sinners to be good. It says here, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Can you imagine all your life you've been taught, if you justify the wicked, you're an abomination to God. Can you imagine all of your life it's been taught from generation to generation. This is how the living Bible says it. Acquitting the guilty are detestable to the Lord. And I want you to look with me in Exodus chapter 23. Go Exodus chapter 23. Because I want you to get the full impact of what Jesus came preaching for you and I. It says in Exodus 23 verse 7. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous. For I will not justify the wicked. The Living Bible says, I will never. Listen to what the Living Bible says. Listen, here's God speaking. For I will never declare a guilty person to be innocent. I will never declare a guilty person to be innocent. There it was, holy God speaking. And God cannot lie. So to keep back from breaking his word that I cannot declare I cannot declare a guilty person innocent. I've got to take an innocent person and make him guilty. And take his blood to make the guilty as the innocent. So that I will never judge the guilty once they've been justified as innocent. Oh. He says, I will never justify the guilty, but I've got a plan. I'll send my son. I'll send the innocent lamb of heaven to take the punishment for the guilty so that I can tell the sinner, you are not a sinner. You're innocent. You are my child. And when you stand before me, it's not that I'm looking for anything to bring against you because there's no more or anything I can bring against you because all I see is the blood of my son. Wow. And that made the Jews mad. Because they were saying, who are you to tell the woman in adultery, I don't accuse you either. Who are you, master, to tell this adulterous woman caught in the act, go and sin no more, I don't accuse you either. Who are you? We're supposed to, there's no justification under the law, Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of the law. And if I declare her innocent, don't you throw a brick because she's not innocent. She's not guilty anymore. She's innocent. 
And that's, it said in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, if God declares you righteous, if God declares that when you receive him, he declares you and I righteous, as innocent as Jesus. Right standing with God as Jesus. Mm. Now, is that letting you off the hook or what? Mm. Jesus said, I came to show you how much God loves you. That even while you were sinners, you were still dear and special to God. No more fear. No more need to fear. Justification is here. You're not an underdog. You're an overcomer. Amen. Hallelujah. We have a relationship with God when we believe with all of our hearts what Jesus told us. We're no more strangers threatened, but we're loved and accepted. Amen. Now listen to this. That word freely there in Romans 3.24, the word freely means unwarranted and determined by nothing but the sovereign will of God. In other words, you cannot buy it and you cannot earn it. It's the sovereign will of God. Just like it was the sovereign word of God, will of God in the beginning when he says, let there be, let there be, and there was. It's the sovereign will of God that when you accept Christ, he says, you're justified. And nothing or nobody can do anything about it. You're justified. He declares it over you. Listen to this. I don't know if y'all ever seen the program lately. Uh, 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 another one of my, uh, Tyler Perry movies called uh, Meet the Browns. And I, I, I was studying this, and we saw the movie a while back, and, and uh, this lady with two children who was very poor, didn't even have to eat, didn't have electricity, she was told that she had to go back to Georgia because a family member had died. And as she sat around the table, the lawyer read each one who were benefactors of the person who passed away what they would receive as an inheritance. When you're a benefactor of an inheritance... It's not for you to give anything because you have nothing to give. It's only for you to sit there and to receive what is written down in the document that is legally yours. When you go to read what the Lord tells you, what you have inherited, you don't bring anything and say, well, I'd like to give this or I'd like to give that. No, it's not for you to go at that table to give anything. It's to you to go to that table only to receive. Justification means that you are acquitted and there is an inheritance of all of God's best. And when you receive Christ Jesus, he's not asking you to give anything. He's asking you to receive everything that Christ bought on the cross through his life for you and I. Oh, this is, this is so, this is gospel. The word redemption means deliverance from slavery. And not only that, Brother Perry's not here tonight, but he knows a lot about the prisoners of war. Listen, that word redemption means to buy back not only slaves, but POWs, prisoners of war. You might have been a prisoner of war, something of your past, or something that you inherited, or something that you married into, or something that you got yourself into, and you've been a prisoner all these years. But Jesus is wanting you to know that the good news of the gospel is to declare freedom and deliverance to even the captives or the prisoners of war, that you don't have to be a captive or a prisoner anymore. He, come, he has come to set the captives free, and not only free you, but give you a new life, a new beginning, never to go back to the old way again. Mm. One of the meanings of the name Jesus is deliverer. Is that great? To rescue, to buy back that we belong to God. Now I want to give you some definitions here of the word forgiveness because how can we love others unless we love ourselves? How can we love ourselves unless we forgive ourselves? And how can we forgive ourselves if we, how can we forgive others if we can't forgive ourselves? 
You must forgive yourself. Or the sacrifice was not enough for you. You cannot look at yourself in the mirror another moment and despise yourself. And despise who you were and what you've done. Your record and your slate has been wiped clean. And you have to understand the power of the forgiveness of God. Because that is why Jesus came. Forgiveness. The act of excusing another. Listen to this. Let this set you free. It's the act of excusing another in spite of his slights, shortcomings, and errors. Can you imagine a God who loves us so much he is willing to excuse every shortcoming that you and I have? To excuse every error? Slight? The theological term means forgiveness refers to God pardoning and passing away of the sins of human beings and his releasing them into implications that effects of those deeds. No other book ever written speaks of forgiveness to the depth of the Holy Bible. No other religion has this but, but ours. And I want us to look at some scriptures in Psalms chapter 51. I want us to go over some scriptures tonight. Because if we do not get this part of the gospel and what Paul was saying in the book of Romans, we will never grow and be released into our full potential. And I want you to see in Romans chapter 51, verse 1. Psalms, thank you. Psalms, y'all keep me in shape here. Psalms chapter 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, and according to your loving kindness, and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. That is justification. Look at Isaiah 38. And write these scriptures down. This is your inheritance. This is something that you received when you received Christ. It all is yours. Isaiah 38 verse 17. This is the Living Bible. It says, Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven. Somebody shout out forgiven. forgiven. Shout out all. all. Shout out my. my. And shout out sins. Sin. You have forgiven all my sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. All oh, this is good news. This is the New Living Bible. This is verse 17. Listen to the word of the Lord. It says, then he says, God says, I will never remember their sins and lawless deeds. 
Never. Verse 18. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Has your sins been forgiven? Hallelujah. Has your sins been forgiven? Forgotten. Has your sins been forgotten? All of them. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to praise the Lord for that. And all this has come to pass because God initiated John 3, 16. For God so loved the sinner, the lost, the meaningless, the underdog, the shamed, that he sent his only begotten son, that the sinner, the underdog, and the shamed can confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have eternal life. Nothing by what you can do, all by the sinless act of what Christ has done for us. Let's look at this in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. I want you to look at these scriptures tonight. Because if you have it in your heart, there's a dying world out there that need it in their heart. Colossians 2, verse 13. This is the New Living Bible. It says, you were dead because of your sins. You were Dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Then it goes on to say, then God. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against it and took it away by nailing it to the cross in this way, he disarmed the spiritual powers of darkness and goes on forever. And he shamed them. What they were doing to the sinner, Jesus did to them. Everything the devil tries to do to you, you have a right to do it to them. You will not shame me, but the anointing of the Lord will shame you as you try to oppose the workmanship of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He is ready to forgive. Look at Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 verse 11. You know this story, but this illustrates it. And Jesus taught it. Because the Jews... The Jews would want to kill the prodigal son. God wanted to kiss and give the inheritance over again to the prodigal son. It says in Luke 15 verse 11, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Let me tell you something. According to the Greeks, while the young man was saying, I wish you were dead now, because I want my inheritance now. He told his father. This is the emphasis that came through the prodigal son's voice. I want you dead now. Because the longer you live. The more I go without money. Because I want to go have a good time. So I want you dead. But since you don't die. And you keep living. Then can you please give me my part in the inheritance. Because one or the way or the other I'm leaving. And the father instead of getting upset. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wa wasted, wasted all the money when wild living. Among the time, his money ran out and great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, and no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hard servants have food enough to spare, and I am here dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, the father he wanted dead. And he didn't mind telling him that. I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hard servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming, filled with love. And compassion. The same father that was told, I wish you were dead. Why don't you just die, old man? He looked off. And in love and compassion, he ran to his embraced him and kissed him. His son started his thing. Father, I have sinned against you in heaven. No longer worthy to be called your son. The father didn't even listen to him. When you say you're unworthy and you're just a sinner and you never amount to nothing and God, I don't even feel I'm worthy to ask you for such things. God, don't even hear that out of your mouth. He won't even pay attention to it. Because he calls you innocent. He calls you pure. And then young man had a story. Don't call me that. He didn't even listen. He says what his father said to the servants. Quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. And kill the calf. We have been fattening. For we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine, he was dead. And now he returned to life. He was lost, but now he is fine. So the party began. Sunday morning, parties began. Every day, oh my. Every day that we mess up and repent, the party begins all over again. You would think, Lord, I'm sorry, I have done it again. How can I ask you to forgive me again? He says, just ask so we can get the party rolling. <laughs> Is that powerful? But I can't ask you to forgive me again. Just ask me again. Let's get the party started. Oh, <laughs> wow. Justification. Mm. Does that make you want to love him more? Nehemiah chapter 9. Oh, I just love Eli. I've heard this story since 1969. And, and the song they were singing probably when I got saved was, I love to tell the story. And I tell you, I still love to tell the story. The wondrous love of God. Nehemiah 9, verse 17. Listen to this. 
They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return into their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even when they had molded calf for themselves and said, This is our God, you brought up out from Egypt and worked great provocations. Verse 19, yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar by fire by night to show them the light, the way they should go. Verse 20 says, you also gave your good spirit. Why did the prodigal son come back to his senses? Here it is. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them. If you have a lost loved one. God wants to give his good spirit to lead them back to him. To instruct them. And did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water to thirst. And it talks about 40 years, their clothes. And he talks about the wonders of God and then they rebelled again. But yet he still stayed with them. He never left them. They sinned and they blasphemed and they did everything they could to turn God off. And God did not withhold the cloud, the food, the miracles, the signs and the wonders. Yet his good spirit was still there to instruct them even hard hearted and in rebellion. That's my God. That's your God. That's your heavenly Father. That loved you so much beyond all comparison. That he gave his son Christ. I love to tell the story. Hmm. Sin deserves divine punishment for the violation of God's holy character. Genesis chapter 2, we saw it. But God was gracious and pardoned. Look at Psalms 130. Are you getting some deliverance through this? I am. Are you falling deeper in love with him? I am. Psalms 130 verse 4. Listen to this. Psalms 130 verse 4, it says, But you offer, you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. You see, when we see the forgiveness of God, it doesn't make, me, doesn't make us want to go do bad things because we know we can be forgiven. It makes me want to serve him with everything I have inside of me because I can see how holy and how just he is and he was willing to overlook so that I can live free. You offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than the centuries long for the dawn. Yes, the centuries long for the dawn. Oh, is your hope in the Lord? For the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. You need to underline that. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on one that you loved. 
I will trust in your unfailing word. I will watch. As a watchman waits for the dawning light in Vietnam, you might have had to do sentry at night or, or play other places where you were where you had to be up all night and, they, and, 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 and you stay up all night and you have to watch and you have to be on guard for the enemy. And when the dawn comes, it's such a relief that I made it through another night and I'm still alive. And here David is saying, I'm like that soldier that's waiting for the dawn because I know that if the dawn comes, I've made it through another night and I'm, I can live another day. And then the, he's saying, that's how the loving kindness and the mercy of God is that I might have felt it but I'm looking for the forgiveness of God because I know that because he will forgive me I can make it through another day I've made it through another fault I've made it through another failure because he doesn't judge me because of my failure he judges me because I received his son and that he counts me innocent and pure before him hallelujah to Jesus Christ mm. look at Romans chapter 5 He will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, this is the living Bible. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Listen to this. This is all Bible. This is all God's word. This is all God's heart. This is all good news. To the sinner, to the backslider, to the rich, to the poor. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Can you imagine? Since you have been made right by God in God's sight through faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because our faith, Christ, has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. He's brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Where we now stand... And we confidently and joyfully look forward to the sharing of God's glory. There's that standard. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse 6, listen to this. When we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. My. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? Don't you love him? They can take everything away from us, but they cannot take the love, the love of God away. There's only two conditions necessary to take the substitute of Christ for our lives. I want you to see the depth of this. Uh, Leviticus 17 Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 look at this the Hebrews knew this and that's why Jesus just blew them away and Jesus blows us away Leviticus 17 11 says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. 
for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Wow. That's Old Testament. Now look with me. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. 9.22. I want to read this New Living. Let me start from verse 18 in the Living Bible. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people with hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant of God which he made to you. This blood confirms the covenant God made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood upon the tabernacle and on everything else for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified. The real things. The copies could be covered with the blood of animals, but the real things in heaven... Had to be purified with a far better sacrifice than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into the holy place made with hand, human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our, your, your behalf, your behalf, my behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest had to enter the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have been, had to die again and again, even since the world began. But now, once for all time, once and for all time, your jubilee came and it continues and will never end. Once and for all time, he has appeared at the end of this age to remove sin. To remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes the judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins. But to bring salvation to all who eagerly await him. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. A dim preview of good, good, good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under the system was preached again and again. Never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Never to provide perfect cleansing. Never able to provide perfect cleansing. Never able to provide perfect cleansing. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Every year, their sins remind them, I got to kill a sheep. I got to kill a red heifer. I got to kill a dove. I got to sacrifice my sins, my sins, my sins. 
always guilty. That is why, verse 5, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, he said to God, Father, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body. Father, you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God. That is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second in effect. We took of that covenant Sunday morning. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Once for all time. Under the old covenant, priests stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which could never take away sins. Never. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand and there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool for his feet verse 15 and the holy scriptures also testify that this is so for he says this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day says the Lord I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them upon their minds and he says I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds do you see that in verse 17? I will never again remember their sin and lawless deeds. In verse 18. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Can we give Jesus a hand? Oh. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah for the power. Of that sacrifice. Once and for all. Was enough for me forever. Never to feel hell. Death. Or devil. Ever. And not fear the judgment of God. But just love my God. Once and for We just soak in that. The perfect sacrifice. That you think of your past, remember one thing, and I'm going to end with this. Remember one thing. If you think of your past, and the devil comes to remind you of your past, you think of one thing. Wait a minute. Jesus said, Father, I offer up, thank you. Thank you, Father, for giving me a body, a physical body, to offer up. For her and his sin. Jesus, thank God for the body to be tortured, to be ripped, to be crucified for you. So that you can always stand forgiven, 
clean and as if you had never did any wrong at all. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If I was a Jew, I wouldn't want to be a Jew anymore after hearing a gospel like that. You can have the priests, the goats, and the sheep. I want the master. Let's stand upon our feet. We'll stop there for tonight. Lord, we praise you for the revelation of communal satisfaction that is in our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Jesus, thank you for being totally willing and totally obedient to humble yourself, even though you were God and you are God. You humbled yourself not only to the position of a servant, you humbled yourself to the position of an animal. The spotless lamb to be sacrificed on our behalf. That we could be totally released. And never to be treated as we did deserve. But now and forever be treated. As you now treat Jesus on your right hand. Because when you see us, you see us right there in the place of honor in Jesus Christ. All because of Jesus. And Father, tonight we wear this robe of righteousness. (laughs) And our names are in the book of life. And our hearts and our minds are cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. And our sins are totally forgotten and forgiven. And the bondages have been broken. And we are free. And we praise you in this freedom. For whom Christ sets free is free indeed. And we honor you and we are thankful for that sacrifice that once and for all has cleansed us and made us whole. Thank you, Father, through Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen and amen. Oh, my. Mm. That was like visiting the throne room tonight. Think we're going to be bored when we get to heaven? I'm running to him. I'm running to him. Not because I need mercy anymore. I just want to praise him. I want to love him. I want to touch you. Behold the face of my Savior. I praise you, my Lord. In Jesus' precious holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you want to look upon his face? Is there someone here tonight that your life... Right now, it will not allow you to look upon his face. And you need to get saved. You need to receive a Savior. That's you. Raise your hand. If you're here tonight, and you don't know if you will see his face, raise your hand. 
and say, pray for me, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior tonight. I accept the sacrifice of him. Anyone at all, anyone at all, you're not ready to see Jesus. Anyone at all, anyone at all. Say this with me. All guilt, all shame, all condemnation, everything of my past, I put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I declare, I am eternally saved, I am eternally forgiven, and I am eternally cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let's thank Him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Well, listen, we love you. We bless you. There'll be those here tonight to pray for you. If you need prayer, we love you. We bless you. Don't forget Sunday morning. We're going to have an awesome time. Sunday night. Oh, I guarantee you this Sunday night's going to be something else. The Lord's visiting me about that too. So uh, what he gives me, I give you because it's him. And so encourage people to come. Encourage friends to come. Encourage hurting people, marriages, singles. Come and hear this word of God. And I tell you, the reason God has been taking us back to Eve and Adam is because he's taking you back of where you hurt to bring you back to where he wants you and heal you of all that. There's something new he's going to do this Sunday. He's going to bless you through it. I love you. Thank you, church. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our body. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You.